And we will continue on looking in the book of Second Peter. Started out in chapter number one. We're still in chapter number one. We'll be for a few more months, I'm sure. But uh, anyhow, we started out, I titled this portion of scripture here, uh, Remember Fruitfulness in the Present. And um, we got down to most of verse six, I believe, but I'll just give you this in case you're writing any of this down or want it, but um, acknowledging your foundation in verse number one and uh, verse number three, according to his favor. And verse, by the time we get to verse number five, we're looking at adding to your faith. And so in verse number five, he said, and beside this, beside these great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, beside this, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, beside this, give all diligence. And we give a definition of that word. I'll just give you a refresher if I can find it here. Uh, doing all diligence, eagerness, steady application, constant effort to accomplish. And so um, there's a few more, but constant effort to accomplish this next portion, adding to your faith, right? And so this chapter that follows uh, here um, a pretty pretty consistent um, theme these next few verses in talking about growing. But grow in grace and in knowledge. And that's what Second Peter's trying to tell us is, yes, um, how to endure afflictions as a good soldier. In First Peter, we looked at, you know, enduring affliction and how to suffer right. Uh, in the middle of times like this, it's certainly helpful. But we need to remember that we're not just enduring to the end. We're not just trying to make it to the end. We're not just trying to, well, if I can just barely make it in, if I can just get in, not quit. That's, that's not the goal, right? The goal is to be fruitful, even in the middle of suffering. And so uh, that's what uh, the first chapter here is entitled as remembering to be fruitful. And so he said, add to your faith. And so add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience. And uh, we know temperance is the ability to control yourself uh, and adding to that ability to control yourself, uh, adding patience to that. So uh, say, well, I'm pretty patient. Well, uh, I can control myself pretty good. Well, that's good. Um, what about the next part? Are you godly in your patience? And see, the, boy, the bar set high for us Christians, isn't it? It's not just enough to be patient, but he wants you to be godly in your patience. So we got a lot to do, a lot of work to do, but uh, that's all right. It'll keep us busy. I had a really bad day yesterday. And uh, text somebody and ask them, said, hey, just, just pray for me. I hate to even ask because there are so many people that need a lot more prayer than I do. But uh, I've, God's just taught me through the years to humble yourself. When you need prayer, find you somebody to pray for you and express your need. And, and what I got to notice, and I said, if I don't get up and find something to keep myself busy doing, I'm going to find myself in a hole. It happens every time. And so uh, I was faced with that decision of what to do. And uh, so I just went and found me some things to do and busy myself. And before I knew it, I forgot about what I was all down about. Now, I remembered it when I stopped working. But hey, for them eight, nine hours where I was busy doing stuff, I forgot about what I was so down about. So uh, I don't, I'm not saying that's what's being said here. But I am saying it will help you uh, in your Christian life um, to just stay busy. Say, well, I'm suffering and all these things are going 
going on. Well, if you'll be busy adding to your faith, virtue and temperance and knowledge and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and charity and all that. And if you get so busy doing that, you'll look up and Jesus will be here. Right. And I'm not saying that's the intent. The intent is, is that you're fruitful and you abound in the knowledge and you're not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. And so that's the, the purpose. But I am saying as a side benefit, it will help you to stay busy in the work of God and not be idle, right? He does not want us to be idle. And that famous saying that um, the devil's got plenty of work for idle hands. And um, it's said differently. I just don't remember the quote. But um, the, the uh, um, devil certainly would like to find you something to do if you don't find something to do. So let's just stay busy adding to our faith, right? I don't really need to add to your faith. I need to add to my faith, right? Add virtue and add patience and all, and all those things. And so he gets down here and he exhorts them in uh, verse number, in these, uh, in these verses, uh, uh, verse number five, and adding to our faith. And he deals with patience and he deals with godliness and that patience. Boy, that's hard enough just to be patient. Uh, how many years did Moses wait? How many years did Job wait? How many years did Isaac and Rebekah wait? How many years did Isaac wait on Rebekah and Rebekah waited on Isaac? And how many years did Simeon wait for the Lord? How many years did these, hey, sometimes, depending on how old David was, he might have waited 10 years just to rule over the southern part of Israel. And so, we, you know, people, we, we need to learn to be patient and waiting on God. God, uh, sometimes I, uh, it's one thing to be patient knowing His will, but it's another thing to be patient when you have no idea what's going on. Just trust God. Be patient. Wait on God and uh, let patience have its perfect work and say, well, I know the will of God's for me to get married, young people. Well, it may be. It may be the will of God uh, for your life, but you better be patient, right? Because you can rush it along. Uh, God's got somebody for you, so just be patient. And so God teaches us those things, but while you're waiting, attend to being godly, right? While you're being patient, add to your patience godliness. What's the next thing? Adding patience, godliness there. Verse number seven, adding to godliness. Boy, that'd be good enough if I could just get godliness down. <laughs> Amen on that? And he said, no, 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 no. My, my, my expectations are for you not only to be godly and, uh, and, and the things you do and the person that you are, uh, but I want you to add to that godliness because it's of no benefit really to others if it's you yourself uh, have godliness. What he's talking about here now, reaching out from that godliness and be kind to your brother, right? And doing good unto all men. Brother Ben quoted again, I'll quote him. But having therefore opportunity, do good unto all men, but especially those of the household of faith. So don't forget to show kindness to your brothers. Amen, right? Many people walk in a church, you visit, and walk right out mad because nobody even made an attempt to be kind to them, right? I don't know how many times I've heard it. Now, they need to grow up and put their big boy britches on and get over their cell, but that doesn't excuse us for not showing brotherly kindness, right? got to show brotherly kindness. And we got to do that with each other. We need each other, church, right? No telling how, no telling how far we may go down. I don't know. But we're going to need each other. Amen. We're going to need this kindness of each other. We're going to need brotherly kindness. And say, well, I'm just in this for the Lord. I don't need nothing from you. Well, you got problems. I don't believe the Lord set things up that way. I've heard one man tell me, say, well, I love God. Well, if you don't love people, you don't love God. Amen. Amen. Despite what you think. 
You got to show brotherly kindness. Boy, that takes a lot of effort, doesn't it? Because in a family, you learn the worst about each other. And it takes a lot of effort uh, to show kindness sometimes. And you just got to do that. Why? Because they're your brother in the Lord, right? You got to be kind. Show kindness. And I don't need to labor that point. You all know that. And you, Paul even said, you yourselves are taught of God that. Uh, but just a little friendly reminder, add into your godliness. See, some people, uh, and, and I'm for this, um, they so major on separation. They so major on um, all the godly living in the sense of the outward. Um, they And I'm for it. I, I don't think your dress can be long enough. I don't think it can be cut high enough. I don't, th- you know, I don't think you can take uh, those matters too far if that's the uh, way you feel like God wants you to do it. I'm not against any of that. Um, as long as it's not against the Bible, I'm not against any of those kind of good things that you do. Uh, but that's not enough, right? And some people walk around and they're proud of uh, the things that they do in themselves. And I don't go to movies. And what did one man say? I don't, I don't smoke or chew and I don't run with those that do. Uh, well, good for you, right? <laughs> what about showing brotherly kindness? That, that, I mean, that's great. I think those are wonderful things and we ought to do it. And 2020 hasn't changed God's expectation for any uh, requirement in the Word of God when it comes to any dress or anything else in your life. Uh, but I, if I'm going to fail, I sure don't want to fail in showing brotherly kindness to you. Uh, because uh, uh, I know I know for myself that uh, all those other great things that are wonderful in the Word of God, uh, if you don't have brotherly kindness and you don't have charity, they're really not worth too much, really. Uh, not to me, they're not. Um, so how are you benefiting others? Show brotherly kindness. Now, don't leave the others undone. I think that's part of what Brother McCracken uh, was dealing with the other night. Jesus didn't say, uh, you shouldn't have worried about all that stuff. No, he said, you should have got your priorities in line. So, so um, put great attention and great uh, emphasis is put upon dress and various things like that. Yeah, but a whole lot more attention should be put on brotherly kindness and charity. Right? And, and a lot of fundamentalists don't like that. And you know what? They just had to get over it because that's what the Bible teaches. Right? Don't leave the other undone. I'm not saying that. But please, if you do anything, as you have therefore opportunity, do good in all men. Yes, but show that brotherly kindness and love to one another. We all can improve on that. Now, he moves on from there and says that's not enough. And adding to that brotherly kindness, charity. And so uh, that's uh, all abounding to everybody. That's not just your brother, not just your a saved man, but this is charity and your character, your love, your genuine love for people and for others. Um, because let's remember the Christian life is a sacrificial life, right? This is you giving your life for the sake of others. Is that what the love is shed abroad in our heart? Jesus didn't live for himself, did he? Jesus lived so that you might have life. This is a faithful saving, worthy, saying worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came in the world to make himself happy. No, he came in the world to save sinners, right? The just for the unjust. And so that's what our Christian life should be. It's a life of sacrifice, not success. Success would be sacrifice in the Christian life. You giving yourself for the sake of others, right? Because God said, amen. Hang the whole law and the commandment on what? Right? Just you love God and that you love others, right? Love. So on that one word, you can hang the rest of it. Because if you love people, you'll dress right. If you love people, you'll have brotherly kindness. If you love people, you'll live holy, right? Love. And so charity, they, he ends it with that, uh, and uh, not in the sense of what's important, uh, but that's how he ends those things. Adding to our faith. So just stay busy. There's a lot to be distracted by, a lot to get down about. 
And uh, the best thing we can do is just remain focused on adding to ourselves, adding our faith, adding to our faith rather, uh, virtue and knowledge and all those good things. Stay busy doing that. Young people, stay busy uh, becoming the best Christian you can be, right? This is being conformed to that image, right? Jesus was full of virtue, was he not? Full of knowledge. No man spake like this man. How does he know the things that he knows? Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He was Word, right? And so anyhow, so we uh, um, um, need to follow in the Lord's footsteps. So we need to abound in fruit in these days. Now let's go on now. But he, uh, excuse me, verse number eight, for if, we, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So um, verse number eight, and dealing with that abounding in fruit, this is abounding in the knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up. And so he wants to make sure they don't just learn things for the sake of learning them, right? To make a Pharisee out of you, make a, make a bad man out of you just to learn things and not apply it, right? So um, he said, don't be hearers only, doers of the word. And as you learn, remember, because this chapter deals with knowledge uh, so many times, five, six different times, he uses the word knowledge and talks about knowing or knowledge in one form or another. And uh, those are wonderful. We're founded and based upon knowledge and we grow in knowledge, right? That God grants you, this is Paul's prayer, that God would grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the what? Knowledge of him. That's how you're going to grow, in the knowledge of Him. And then putting that knowledge into practice, right? Sunday school, uh, you go to Sunday school and you learn something from the Word of God or you study from the Word of God. It's your intent of your heart is to apply that to your life, right? Not so that you can win an argument. Some people, I think, study the Bible to win arguments. You see them on Facebook, and they're always stirring something up because they're right about something, right? And just Our point is to try to live like Jesus, Amen. So we're adding and growing through that knowledge. And he doesn't want us to be barren nor unfruitful. Well, if I can just get in, I'll be all right. But that's not the expectation of your father. He don't want you just to get in. He wants you to abound in fruit, right? So stay busy doing that. And then verse number nine, that kind of sums up that first part. And then verse number nine, he deals with the afar off blind and forgetful. And so, a man, uh, the sum, uh, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that uh, you'll be faithful, you'll, I mean, excuse me, fruitful. That's the sum of adding those things. And then verse number nine, here's what will happen if you don't add to those things. Here's what happens when you just get saved and you don't grow and you don't uh, grow in your faith and add to your faith. And here's what will happen to you. He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Now, why is he doing this? Why, is, why does he turn and start dealing with what's going to happen here? And I, I'm going to th- tell you what I think is about to happen. He's about to deal with assurance. And he's about to talk about having assurance and peace of your salvation. That's what I think these verses are dealing with. This is not making it sure uh, to God, right? Wherefore, rather than give uh, diligence to make your calling and election sure. So uh, we looked at this a little bit Monday night from 1 John. The point of good works is not to make sure God knows you're justified and elect, right? God already knows that. 
Right? God knows them from the beginning. He knew for the foundation of the world. He, by, we are elect according to foreknowledge. God foreknows. He knows everything. And God knew everything, knows everything, and shall know everything. God learns nothing. So we can't make it sure to God and make sure we prove to Him we have faith. Right? James doesn't recommend that either. James is not saying prove to God that you have faith by your works. That's not what James is saying. And here's the same thing. Wherefore, give the diligence, uh, rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling election sure. And who's it making it sure to? It's making it sure to you. Because if you don't have these things, here's what's going to happen. The Bible said, and some people say, well, this is not talking about a man that's completely blind. It's talking about a man that's just short-sighted. And I've read, so, every one of the commentaries I've read said that. But I'm going to disagree with them here and say, no, the Bible said that if a man lacks these things, he is blind. And a blind person, by default, cannot see afar off. Now, I understand what they're saying. What they're saying here, a man that lacks these things, if he doesn't add to his faith and he doesn't grow and he doesn't add virtue and knowledge and temperance and all those various things that were just listed, that man's blind. He cannot see afar off. Now, what's happened to this man? And, and, and so they'll say, well, he's short-sighted because all he's looking at is the present, right? A man that can't see afar off can only see what's close. He's not looking to the future. He's about to start dealing with the future. He's about to say, you need to do all these things. You can go on because if you do all these things, God's going to do something for you at, the entrance, at your entrance into his kingdom. So he's dealing with the future. And, and, he, and, and what they're saying here, well, this man's blind and all he can see is the temporal. All he can see is the now. And I'm not going to argue with that. It's a good explanation. But the Bible says he's blind. I don't think he can see the now either because if he could see the now, he would live godly. Right? I don't think he's looking at the present. I don't think he's looking at the future. I think that man has stopped growing in grace and knowledge. He's given up. He's quit. He's quit. He's quit church. He's quit God. He's quit the brethren. He's quit the word. He's quit prayer. And before you know it, this man does what? Not only is he blind, and he cannot see afar off. So he has no vision for the future. He has no desire for crowns. He has no desire for an abundant entrance. He has no desire to please Jesus really in any matter whatsoever. He's quit. He's give up. He's he sidelined himself, he took himself out of the game, and he cannot see afar off any longer. Now that leads to some other things. He can't see the enemy afar off and avoid him, right? There's a lot of things that leads to by not adding to your faith. But here's the second thing. Not only is he blind, so he's a far off blind, but he's also forgetful. This man has completely forgotten that he's been purged from his old sins. Here's what will happen. If you quit in your good works, if you quit growing in grace, if you quit adding temperance and knowledge and all those things that are just listed and you stop in all of those areas of life and adding to your faith, it won't be long. You won't even know whether or not you're saved. That's what I believe this Bible is teaching. Because what gives you assurance of your salvation? Now, I know my salvation because I just know it, right? But what gives me assurance is, hey, I'm doing this. God's helping me to be faithful. God's, when, when you see a charity, I'm not good at it, and I don't have all that I should have of it. But I've got that inside me. Like, amen, I've got that, God. I want godliness. That's right. I, want, I don't do great at it. Again, I'm not, please don't use me as an example. There's a lot better Christians to, do, to use for an example there. And what I am saying, though, is it gives me assurance, right? When, I, when I'm able to, do, hey, I'm able to do this. You start dealing with a sin that you, that's dealing with godliness in your life. Or, or, or how about a brother that mistreated you and, and, and you say, you know what? God loved me when I was unlovable. And you do something nice for them anyway and they never deserved it. And you think, you know what, that's God in you. Only a saved person can love their enemies, right? 
And that gives you assurance. I, I know I'm saved. Man, this is, God's helping me to grow. You've got assurance. Make your congregation sure. And it, and, and it makes it sure to you. you. You know that you're saved. But what happens when that, what, what, what brings doubt into your life? Well, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to add to my faith virtue. I'm going to add temperance. I'm going to add knowledge. I'm going to add all these different things in my life. But that your lack of ability to do those things might show that you don't have salvation. Why can't I live godly? Why? Maybe because you've never been saved. Right? Some people, they swear up and down, argue to their blue in the face. I'm saved. I've been born again. I've been drunk for 40 years. I've never darkened the doors of a church. I don't even own a Bible. I've never prayed. I've never done any of those things. I have no fruit. I'm not adding to my faith virtue and knowledge and temperance and all those things. I'm not adding to my faith nothing. I don't even care about none of that. I just know I'm not going to hell. But I've tried. I get up and I try. I try to do right. And I, I, I try to do right. And I can't do it. I just can't do it. You know what? That's what showed me I was a lost man. I couldn't do it. It couldn't last hardly a day of me trying to live godly in Christ Jesus. Right? Now, I'm not saying that's not always the answer to every man. I'm saying to me personally, that was my problem. There was a reason that I could not do. I didn't have the ability to do. So I had the lack of assurance because I couldn't add virtue to faith because I didn't have any faith. And I certainly didn't have any virtue. I didn't, I didn't have that in myself. How are you going to add virtue to faith if you have no virtue to add to it? Right? If you're not godly, how are you going to add godliness to faith? How are you going to add any temperance when you're a lost man and have no ability to control yourself at all? Right? But a saved man does have the ability to control himself. He does have the ability to do that. He may not always do it, but he's got the ability to do it. Right? So God can expect that out of his kids. I don't expect Taylor to get up here and read. I mean, <laughs> well, Taylor, bless your heart. I don't expect Jordan to get up here and read the missionary letters on Wednesday night, right? <laughs> My Jordan. Little Jordan can't read, right? I don't expect that. She don't have the ability to do what I'm asking her to do. Not so in these verses. God said add temperance, add wisdom, add knowledge, add all those things because you can do it as a child of God. You can do it. You can live godly, right? You can all of us are failing at it, but boy, we can do it. It's not a lack of ability, right? It's a lack of want to sometimes. So this deals with assurance here. This is telling a man when he looks and he's trying to busy himself doing those things, if he can't do them, and there's a pro then it causes you to back up and examine yourself. Make your con election sure. You may not be able to do it because you, you don't have the life to do it with. How many people have been in churches and they've said, I've tried to enjoy this. I've tried shouting. I've tried praising. I've tried worshiping God. I've been raised in church all my life and I've never, I have tried the best I can and I'm absolutely miserable. I can't live that way anymore. And they get born of the spirit. And all of a sudden it just comes natural to them anymore, right? You know what I'm talking about. I've seen, I, I mean, many of you may have a testimony that way. I was raised in church, but it was miserable. I mean, in myself, I really hated it. And then you got born again and something happened. God changed you, right? And then now all of a sudden you can do and be what you wanted to be. Amen. And enjoy it. It's wonderful. It gives you assurance. This is assurance for you. Make your calling election sure. It's not making it sure in the sense of make sure that you're saved by adding to faith. Right? That would be an interpretation of it. That can't be right based on the other scriptures in the Bible. 
you can't make it, you can't make yourself any more saved than you are. So that can't be the interpretation. It can't be make it sure to God. Does anybody think and wonder about if the Bible lied to you when it said that God is sure having this seal, he knows them that are his? So it can't be that. The only interpretation in that verse that you're left with, it must mean making it sure to yourself. How many people struggle with, with, with salvation, not knowing whether or not they're saved? God knew that was going to be a reality in the life of Christians. Because you can look at the Bible on one hand and it says, uh, we went over this Monday night. You look on the Bible on one side and it said, he that loves me will keep my word. If you didn't keep his word today, you don't love him? Are you not saved? Right? See, these verses ought to cause us to search ourselves. Right? Search yourself. Make sure you're in the faith. Right? That's not a bad thing to do. Right? Some people wonder why. So, uh, told myself I wasn't going down that road, and I'm not going down that road. All right, so if these things be in you, verse number eight, we're abounding in fruit, uh, but if you don't, the sum of not adding all those things is you're going to be blind, fall off blind, and you're going to be forgetful. You're going to forget. Now, here's what, here's what we got to face. Here's the reality we got to face. You got to face this reality. Just take the Bible exactly like it says, and don't try to mess with it, and don't go to the Greek. You don't have to go to the Greek unless you want to make it bring something out a little better. But it doesn't change the meaning of what is written in English, right? This is a faithful, faithful, perfect, inspired, preserved Bible that I hold in my hands tonight, right? And so God said that if a man lacks these things, then he is blind, he cannot see afar off, and he has forgotten something. So here's something that is true and can be true in the life of a saved person. You can be saved and born of the Spirit and not grow and not add to your faith and not virtue and temperance, all those things it just mentioned, not do none of that, and then you can still be saved but get in a place where you just don't even remember if you've ever been saved or not. You say, well, no, only how can, you, how can God move in and you not know it? And I appreciate all that preacher. I'm not against that. I understand what they're trying to say and giving the assurance of salvation to people. I understand that. I can, in the very beginning, I, I'll agree to that and I'll amen it. But the reality is, obviously, a saved person can get so bad off that they don't even remember that God purged their sins. That's the translation. It says he's forgotten that he's been purged from his old sins. No lost person has their sins purged, do they? That's got to be talking about a saved man. So if a saved man gets born again at any point of his life that he decides to find him a juniper tree and sit down and forget it, it won't be long, that man might not even remember God ever saved him to begin with. He certainly will be blind to fall off. He won't see the future. He'll lose sight of that yearning that he once had. He, he will be unable to see clearly at all. He'll be blind, yes, but he's forgotten that he's been purged from his old sins. His, he's forgotten his sins are gone. And let me bring up another point. If we're not adding faith to our faith and we're not growing, we're not adding virtue, we're not doing the things that God's asked us to do and told us to add godliness and all these things in our life and go on and leave the foundation and, and, and go on unto perfection and grow and add and do all those things like God said, we need, to, we need to try to ask ourselves this. Why wouldn't we want to do that? Do we not remember what God did for you when he saved you? 
God wiped all your sins away. Why in the world wouldn't you want to add to your faith? Why wouldn't you want to live for him, right? Now, I don't believe that's technically what that's saying, but that's a good thought we need to remember. Why? Well, this one made me mad. Well, that one made me mad. Well, I'm upset. Well, life ain't going with it. Well, just remember what Jesus did when he washed your sins away, and though they were as scarlet, they're whiter than snow. What did you do deserve that? When the Holy One of Israel left heaven and come down in the likeness of sinful flesh and for your sin condemned it in the flesh. Died the cruelest death known to mankind so that you could go free. So I don't want to add to my faith. I'm just happy if I can just get in and I don't care what happens after that. As long as I don't go to hell, I'm fine. You're messed up. You're blind. You can't see afar off. You may never have been purged. This is assurance versus... Well, we're done tonight. Uh, so he's a far off blind and forgetful. Abounding in fruit or a far off blind and forgetful. This man has wandered far away from the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. And so let's add, do what the Lord told us to do and stay busy in the work of God. Um, he gives us to verse number nine, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. And so verse number 10 said, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. And uh, this word here, I'll give you in verse number 11, um, this is talking about the, uh, excuse me, in verse number 10, uh, if you do these things, you shall never fall. Uh, that word means offend or stumble or trip. Um, and I, I struggle with this in my mind. I, I think uh, the true meaning here is what he's saying is that along life's journey, uh, you won't trip, you won't shipwreck, you won't, you won't stumble in your growth and coming unto being like Jesus and being conformed to that image uh, if you're adding to your faith and virtue and, and godliness and all those various things. Uh, but it could mean you fall in your own mind. If you think about it, I mean, he's dealing with assurance. He's just talked about uh, making your calling rather distant and, and making your calling election sure. And he's dealing with the assurance of knowing that you belong to God because you're growing. A man can't grow who's not been planted and watered in good soil, right? And been fed in the lie. So you're alive. You have life. You can grow. And, uh, and so he deals with that assurance. And then he said, if you do these things, these things shall never fall. And that, that may be in your mind. Maybe, um, maybe if you have those things. But I think the more accurate translation of what he's trying to say here is that you will, you, you will, never, you will never stumble in your growth. You won't trip up. Uh, has anybody ever stumbled or tripped uh, in the Christian life? Everybody in here would raise their hand. Surely. Or you're a liar. One of the two. So we all have. So uh, I think that's more accurately what he's saying. If these things bend, you shall bound and that be fruitful in that knowledge and you shall never fall. And I just don't think um, this is really what was on my heart tonight. But um, assurance from falling in verse number 10. And uh, I, th I think it's probably just best if we just uh, maybe just go home tonight. I think that'll, that'll be good. Um, so we need to be abounding in fruit so that we're not a fall off and blind and forgetful. And verse number 10, we need assurance from falling. And then verse number 11, when God lets us come back around, um, we need abundance. We need to remember this. There's abundance for the future. And um, I look forward to getting into it. But if we start now, then we're going to be here too long. So for so an entrance, these things you'll never fall, for so an entrance 
shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so he's going to deal with that abundant future. And uh, he wants to awaken them by facts. We'll deal with that later. He said, I'm going to give my rest of my life, as long as I'm alive, to stirring you up with things you already know. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Some people, the only way you can stir them up is to tell them something they don't know. Peter, Peter said, no, I'm just gonna, here's how I'm going to stir you up. I'm just going to remind you, you've been purged from your sins, growing grace. Lord loves you. You've been founded on the solid. I'm just going to, I'm going to stir you up with things you already know. Isn't that wonderful? That's what ought to stir you up. Say, so, well, I get tired of hearing the same thing. Well, I don't have anything new to preach. Especially after Brother Jones for 40 years, right? I don't have anything new to preach. This Bible, there's nothing new under the sun. Well, I had one man actually leave the church. He was thrilled with being here at first. And he said, well, I just like to learn new things. I like doctrinal things and deep things. And I thought, man, that's pitiful. Well, you know what stirs me up more than anything? Somebody just gets up and tells me how Jesus saved them. Brother Jeff used to testify all the time and tell us, I bet I could tell his testimony better than he can. And it never one time got on my nerves. I love it. Same old thing, just stirring you up. That's what we need to remember. We don't need something new. We need to, what we need to do is be zealously affected in things that we already know. God's done enough, hasn't he? We'll spend eternity learning what he did on Calvary. I don't think we need anything new, but I enjoy new things. Lord, we do love you tonight. Thank you for the folks that are here. Thank you for our people, those that could not be here, and they were hindered, Lord, by so many various things going on this time. You know, Lord, what's going on. You know their hearts. And so, Lord, please for, um, be with them, mighty in your presence, and help especially those that are sick. Lord, we pray for Miss Sandra, Brother Jones. We pray, Lord, for Anna Ruth, the whole family. Lord, please help them and give multiplied peace and grace into their hearts. But most of all, we pray, uh, Lord, tonight that you'd touch Miss Sandra, that you'd give the doctors wisdom. I pray she'd, this pain would go away, Lord. I pray and ask you in Jesus' name that you'd please touch her and heal her, uh, Lord, and let her uh, be free from this pain and misery that she's been suffering for some time. We love you. Thank you for all you do, Lord, and we'll submit to whatever it is, the will of God, uh, for all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand to your feet. We won't have any uh, uh, invitation tonight. We'll just be dismissed.